John of All Trades Podcast, episode 326. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And let's bring some goddamn joy into the world, shall we? Yes, let's do. Let's continue to do that. Highlight the things we love. Spotlight content creators that are making great shit. And today, I've got one of my all-time favorites. It's Kyle Ryan, formerly of the AV Club, currently the creator of Band Name Bureau on Substack, of which I am a subscriber, a full subscriber. I've paid for a full year, so I get all his bonus content, and I'm happy to do that because I support the things that I love. Now, what is Band Name Bureau? If you were a reader of the AV Club, you might remember it as the year in band names, one of the greatest yearly features the AV Club ever, ever did. It ran from 2005 until, I think, 2018, and it highlighted the good, the bad, the weird, the strange, the gross... The provocative, the just downright impenetrable band names that he came across in that year. What are we talking about here? We're talking about band names like Fart Barf, like Diarrhea Planet, like My Dick is Made of Dog Shit, like Cuddle Formation, like Moat Cobra, like Beer Can Pentagram. There are a zillion of these out there, and they bring me so much joy when you listen to this episode, particularly the back half. I'll describe the first half here in a second, but particularly the back half. I'm not sure I've laughed more during an episode, because every time he would start talking about fart barf or my dick is made of dog shit, I couldn't help myself. I can't help myself now. I've listened to this episode now twice, once when I interviewed Kyle, and the second time now when I'm putting it together. I can't get enough of it. So... If you're like me and you love this kind of thing, I mean, hell, I got a real thing about names, which is probably why I love W.C. Fields. And my best friend Jason and I used to call each other at work and say we were Hoyt Corkins. You know who Hoyt Corkins is? Of course you don't. He was a professional poker player who beat Phil Hellmuth like twice. Phil Hellmuth couldn't get past him back in the days of watching poker. So this is a very mid to late aughts kind of thing. But Hoyt Corkins, my God, what a handle on that guy. So literally, if you're like me, you're amused by names, you can't get enough of this kind of thing, this is going to be your episode. Now, it's kind of a twofer also, because we talk about my other favorite thing, the current state of media. We talk about subscription models. We talk about daily newspapers. We talk about Patreon and Substack and how that works for some, how it might not work for others. Does that funding directly go to content creators, which is a good thing, but your local paper is dying, which is owned by, say, a hedge fund, yet supports people in guilds and unions who have good jobs and good benefits and good wages? What do you do about that? It's a tough conversation to unpack, and it's one Kyle has with me with insight and nuance and experience and just a great level of depth. It's very, very satisfying, a lot of fun, super smart guy, phenomenal writer. Love reading his stuff, no matter what he does. He's got a development job now, but there's always Band Name Bureau. I encourage you to subscribe. There will be links in the companion blog piece. That's on johnofalltrades.us. Also in the show notes, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you're getting your pods, 
Links are in the show notes right there. You don't have to do anything. Just click it. You'll find it super easy. Now then, that's actually all I'm going to plug right here in the front end. Let's get to this week's episode. It's a good one. Number 326 features Kyle Ryan, the creator of Band Name Bureau, one of my all-time favorite content creators. Thrilled to highlight his work here, and it starts right now. Today, it was a lot of listening to podcasts, researching podcasts, and looking at like what types of shows various networks, like TV and streaming networks are doing. That was basically the gist of my very exciting day. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. uh, On a recent episode of this show, I had Sean Reuter, who is a blogger for Cage Side Seats, which is a pro wrestling blog. That is owned. Oh, right. Yeah. I think it's owned by Vox, but he's like full time. He's got uh, health benefits and everything. But his wife can't tell when he's working or if he's just like casually surfing the internet. So it's it's funny because what you described is kind of my same thing. It's like I have to be aware of what other podcasters are doing. And like when I'm writing, I need to get inspired to write. So frequently I'm reading stuff that I really like so that I can actually Mm -hmm. generate quality content for like my clients but it looks like i'm not doing anything and sometimes i i have this struggle where i'm like am i actually doing anything like do Mm -hmm. do does that ever cross your mind like as someone who works in pop culture all the time all the time and and it's been i've been feeling that particularly acutely the past couple months because i just started my job uh in you know february and working in development is such like a nebulous thing to begin with. So I will spend a lot of time like just researching stuff, like doing trades, like just like, I feel like if someone, if my boss came to me and was like, what have you been doing the past couple months? (laughs) I'd be like, well, so I make, I make a lot of Google sheets to like keep track of things. And so just so I can be like, well, like I can point you to this spreadsheet that clearly shows (laughs) I've done something. Yeah. It's crazy. And especially when I was at the AV club, it was, the line between work and play there was so blurry that a lot of times it was like, Oh, this is something I'm doing for fun, but I'm also getting paid to do it. Or uh, we used to always joke that the main thing of the AV club was like, how, how can you turn the thing you like doing for fun into work? Where it's like, Oh, Hey, you like, you, Oh, you like that TV show. Why don't you write about it every week and just suck all the fun out of it? (laughs) You know, it was, uh, it's blurry. Dude, I discovered that when... Do you remember when examiner.com was a thing? Mm-hmm. And so I wrote for that briefly, and I was writing about HBO on their like national site. And I was just reviewing like the Sunday night HBO shows and some of their documentaries and stand-up specials and stuff. I grew to resent the shit out of that. Because yeah. like yeah. I, I was working a day job, too, and like this hard corporate day job. So Sunday night, you're winding down. It's like, oh, I love watching Eastbound and Down and Bored to Death and whatever else, right? All of a sudden, you turn that into a job, and you're up till midnight trying to write this good review. And so, like turning this fun thing into work, I identify with that so hard. That's got to be a hard thing. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. It's not, it, and it was something that like I eventually figured out like where boundaries were with that stuff. But it's still, you know, it was still something that I would, I would draw on my own experiences when I had to do some work stuff. And yeah, it, it was always, the line was always shifting between work and play. 
Right. So this is Kyle Ryan, someone I've been reading now for, God, uh, nearly two decades. And I have adored your work forever. Your current thing, like the reason I reached out to you is because of Band Name Bureau, something that like me and Drew McGarry and a handful of other people were hectoring you about uh, on Twitter for a while. (laughs) And then a, a confluence of factors happened. So I want to take this time to publicly apologize to you for not paying you for this until now oh. but i am a full subscriber now i paid for the full year <laughs> thank you no i uh i i love it so much because that was something i looked forward to every year and it's so funny that someone like drew mcgarry was into it too because i think one of the things that happens right around the same time of year at least when you were doing this at the av club was his haters guide to the williams sonoma catalog Totally. And so, like, at the end of the year, you could really, really look forward to the Hater's Guide to the Williams-Sonoma Catalog and then the year in band names from Kyle Ryan at the mm-hmm. AV Club. And it, it was just such a nice present at the end of the year. And, <laughs> and so now you've turned it into this substack, which I adore, which I have caught up on. What else are you doing now? You, would, you alluded to a gig that you're working now. What are you doing? Yeah, so um, I run development for Exactly Right Media, which is a podcast company that's home to My Favorite Murder is our most famous podcast. Um, My wife is a murderino, just I'll put that out there. As as so many wives and girlfriends are, (laughs) uh, for sure. Um, Right, stay sexy, don't get murdered, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a... It's funny, too, because I was, you know, I had sort of initiated the AV Club's coverage of podcasts uh, God, more than 10 years ago. Oh, now. were you doing Podmass? Um, yeah, I created Podmass. So, That's right. Like, wow. We, um, you know, we, I, I was telling everybody, like, look, we're all listening to podcasts. We should be writing about this in some regard. So, like, it, it's funny to have been doing that and then uh, now doing this because, you know, I was a critic of, like, writing critically about podcasts for so long. But yeah, so uh, I helped develop new shows for Exactly Right and then also figure out which of the shows we have uh, would make sense to turn into TV and film. Oh, wow. My last, the last three years I was at Onion Inc., I was doing TV development. I was also still writing for the AV Club here and there, but my focus was like trying to get Onion and AV Club and Clickhole shows made. That's been my ostensible job for seven years at this point. I, well, so you, you mentioned Onion Inc., was this pre-Univision? Oh, yeah. I mean, I start. well, I mean, I started at Onion Inc. in 2005, way back when. And then when I, I, I left the company in 2014 to go to Entertainment Weekly, okay. I was there for a year, well, not, actually not quite a year, uh, and then came back, they brought me back to do development. Uh, okay. So right after I came back in 20, like early 2015 is when the whole Univision thing happened okay and when i left in the summer of 2018 was right when univision was trying to sell us and right before the company was sold to its current clown show owners (laughs) well it's Um, it's funny you bring that up because i mean i've had drew mcgarry on the show twice um i've I've had john wenzel on the show who writes for the denver post so i'm sure you're aware of what alden capital has been doing to the denver post oh yeah and and other newspapers across the country and you know it's it's interesting to me to watch private equity or venture capital take these things that that work and make money and not understand that and and try to wring maximum profit out of it and you go mm-hmm. it's these things that i love that you're just destroying and hollowing out and and leaving as an empty husk 
And why? Because they were, I mean, when you were at the AV Club, I don't know how much, or, or at Onion Inc., I don't know how much you were attuned to the business goings on, but my understanding was it was at least turning a profit. Is that accurate or am I way off? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were definitely, when I started, we were definitely, I think, turning a nice profit because we still had the newspapers. Uh, we were distributed in like eight or nine cities back then. And Denver the was one of them. Still- we used to get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Denver was oh, great. Oh, no, I remember. Denver was the first place I want to say. Yeah, I think Denver was the first market we expanded to. Yeah, uh, Jason Heller was the city editor there for a very long time. A former Super John of All Trades writer. podcast guest too. Like he, no, episode sixteen. Jason. Nice. Yeah, Jason's a great writer. Yeah, so we were the newspapers were still profitable at that point, and then obviously that <laughs> uh, went away. But um, we were profitable up until we were bought by Univision, and then I think by that point we were turning like the the profit we were making, if I'm correct, was fairly small, but it was still something, you know? And then I want to say like when you're subsumed by a giant company like Univision, their problems become your problems. Uh, (laughs) So the, and you know, we were folded into this thing with um, the former Gawker sites and the root and these other things. And, and this infusion, which was their uh, network slash site. And so suddenly like, we weren't making money anymore. Uh, you know, I think they expected things to go. I mean, Univision obviously thought that they were going to be making this huge push into the English language digital world, uh, and didn't, did not work out that way. <laughs> no, not not as such. Um, you know, it it it's frustrating to watch as a consumer and as a fan because. Once upon a time, the AV Club was my first stop on the internet. It was it was because of the collection of talent that was there, and you know you could go down the list, and you know even just there was fun dumb shit there, like you know the AV Club taste test, and I used to watch that just to watch Genevieve Kosky react to it, right? <laughs> um, right? And so, like, I have these sort of indelible memories, and. I mean, I, I've had a number of people who write about pop culture on this show recently. Brian Raftery, who wrote... Uh, yeah, that, I saw that. That was such a good episode. Um, and Tom Bryan, who writes one of my favorite things on the internet in uh, the number ones column that he does for Stereo Gum. And so these kinds of things I just tend to latch on to. So I'm curious, was it as fun writing for the AV Club in its heyday as it was to read it? Oh, absolutely. It was the best. I mean, it was, uh, it didn't feel like a job a lot of the time. I mean, it was certainly, you know, it it was obviously a job and, you know, we obviously had our issues that came up like you would have with any job, but, you know, I often think about like one of my favorite days ever was we went to a screening of the dark Knight and IMAX and then came back and did the taste test with the uh, magic berries that dulled your <laughs> tongue. So I was just like, this is this is the greatest job in history. Because we're just like, I mean, we're just doing fun things all day. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great place. People were awesome. We were growing. We were trying new things. You know, I, I still think the world of all of those folks that I worked with, particularly back then, who I, I think are still my most trusted sources uh when it comes to like is this film any good or you know should i check this out like um that has never changed 
it was it was a it was a great place and you know know, nothing gold can stay pony boy so you know (laughs) that way it goes it's how it goes but yeah for a while from for a long time it was a it was a really really special place well so you describing that reminds me of at denver film fest one year i interviewed jim o'hare from parts Mm -hmm. and rec and he was uh oh yeah jerry gergich he showed me when we were off mic he's like Look, that was a cast of like eight people or whatever he said that just fell in love with each other. And he pulled out his phone and he just started scrolling and he showed me this group text that he's on with the whole cast still. And it was like years later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, here's Amy Poehler with uh, with our old makeup person on a new project she's working on. I get to go on Rashida Jones's show when she was doing. Uh, what was that show on TBS? that was like really good girl. Oh, um, was, oh, Rashida, oh, oh, Rashida Jones. Um, that was it was like really farcical. Name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what the name of the show was, but he got to do like a guest spot on there, and it's like, and our director of photography is doing this thing, and Aziz got to see her, and I'm like, dude, can you drop me into that? Like, just yeah, 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 I won't. Seriously. I promise, I won't comment. I won't say anything. Um, watch. But like hearing you describe that makes me feel great because. You know, like I'll still go check in on Nathan Raymond on his site. Like, you know, he's got a subscriber based thing. I decided to follow every AV club writer that I liked on Twitter just so I could keep up on what everyone's doing. My quest. So I guess this leads me to a question. So you've got Band Name Bureau. You know, there's Nathan Raymond's Happy Place. A lot of the stuff that you liked back when websites were still functional, and I say that as someone who founded a website in like 2007. Mm-hmm. That had somewhere between two and ten ten thousand daily visitors, which I would kill for now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, everything's a little bit more diffuse now, and I I'm curious as to your thoughts on that as a model going forward. Is that sustainable for writers? Uh, w- what do you see as the kind of present and future of pop culture criticism, or just following content creators that you like? Yeah, boy. So do I think, are you asking if I think like the Substack Patreon approach is the future? You know what? Let me let me frame it or a different subscriber way. subscriber-based? Yeah, let, let me frame it a different way. How is it working for you so far? How satisfying is it for you as someone who has done this model? Granted, not as a full-time gig. You know, there are those who do. But mm-hmm. how has it been for you so far? I, I'm not a great example because I do this purely for fun. If yeah. I make any money off of it and I make next to no money off of it. Right. Uh, so it's just, it's just something because people were always asking me about when I was going to, if I was going to do the year in band names again. And once I left the AV club the second time, it was like, yeah, I'm not going to be doing that again <laughs> there. Uh, so this was just like, Oh, this makes the most sense. I mean, I think the defector model is super interesting because those guys all established a very loyal readership uh, a dead spin and we're able to capitalize on that and move it to this other thing that by all accounts seems great. I don't, I'm not in the thick of it. I've talked to Drew a few times about, I just had like, you know, business questions about how they did, did stuff. And, and I am but, a defector subscriber. Just uh, I'll throw that out there. And I, th- I think it's terrific. It's, it's a site that like maintain that dead spin voice. That was a really unique thing because all the, they all left in mass and then form this again mm-hmm. together, which it, I, I don't think there's any uh, an example like that. No, no, 
Definitely not. I can't think of anything like it. So, I mean, the, the trick with that being the future is you have to be at a place where you can establish that audience, that sort of loyal readership. And you're not going to get that immediately by having a walled garden approach, you know <laughs> right. what I mean? So like, I mean, there are so many times where I've thought in the past few years, I'm like, the AV club should totally go the defector route or some version of it. I mean, we talked for so many years about like, what would a subscriber, ver- like if we had a subscriber version of the AV club, how would that function? Like, okay, you're, you're, there's no ads, you're like enhanced comments thing or whatever. And I still think that would have worked uh, pretty well. Um, but I think you have to have the kind of uh, engagement with readers that would, who would be willing to, to pay for that sort of thing. And then eventually yeah, the, the danger I think as well is like the same thing you're seeing with like all these streaming services, like yeah. where you're paying $5 here, $8 here, blah, blah, blah. like, you know, it adds up after a while. Um, meanwhile, you're, local city paper is dying you know right. so it's like people are going to have a limited amount they can give and for me like i mean i do a paid version of band name bureau where you get like an extra newsletter a month that's a little that's different from the regular thing um whereas in, in like the free version i go through band names and the pay version i'll like focus on certain bands or you know they're like more they're like deeper dives or like you'll um, interview jimmy pardo or something yeah, right. Yeah, I'll do interviews too. Substack, the minimum you can charge people is five dollars a month, which I I'm like, why are you telling me how much I can charge people? <laughs> like I would rather just be like, give me three bucks a month if you want, it's fine. Like even on my site, I totally undercut it. I'm like, it's completely ridiculous to pay five dollars a month for this. I but, disagree, you know, but okay. Yeah, you know, I I I totally appreciate it. I really do. But it's like, you know, for me it, it's fun. Now, like Keith Phipps and Scott Tobias started the reveal a few months ago, which is like a subsect they're doing that is much more, I think, a financial um that they there were that they want to generate revenue for them. These are both freelancing, you know. Yeah. So that like totally makes sense. And they have really jumped into that, like and, and are clearly relishing uh, being able to write in that form. And, you know, they, they did, I just was just reading it today, this whole and really long old school AV club type overview of Gaspar Noe's new films. I was like, Oh my God. Wow. This is like, I, yeah, I was like, I, I can't finish this, but <laughs> like, I, I love that they, that they did it. Um, Kyle, I have so, to interrupt real quick because I was reading a defector article last night as I was going to bed and I chuckled at how long this thing was. And, my wife goes, what are you laughing at? And I go, you're going to die when I tell you. It's an article about the batting stance of a Washington National players, Washington Nationals player I've never heard of. And, <laughs> and I go, there are five more long graphs in this thing, and I cannot finish it, and that's what made me laugh. And she goes, I fucking yeah. love you so much. Yeah, that's so great. And so, But like, there's an audience for that kind of thing in that model, like if you were a super user of this style of criticism or this thing about which this substack covers, mm-hmm. then like you can go as deep and as weird and as specific as and as esoteric as you want. And there's some beauty in that. Yeah, I mean that that's the whole the whole joke about all these journalists starting newsletters is like how much they <laughs> desperately need editors. Uh, and you know, I you're not wrong. No, and I, I get it. And I mean, you know, 
I, I'm try to be pretty cognizant of how long things are getting uh, with Band Name Bureau. Uh, but also, I tend to write it. I, I'm constantly writing at the last minute, it feels like. So it usually isn't <laughs> going to be super long. But I do, I think you're right, though, that like people are coming to these things for the perspective from these particular people. And so they're certainly more willing to indulge them. And I think these writers are more willing to be indulgent because yeah. that, you know, that's kind of what people want. Um, you know, I, I still think everybody can use an editor <laughs> for sure. Oh, dude. myself included. 100, uh, yeah. So I, I, I certainly don't have any way to like pay somebody to edit me. So I'm, <laughs> no. it's just going to be, it's just going to be going to get what you get. Well, so Kyle, like you mentioned that, yeah, your local city paper is dying. Probably, I have so many subscriptions, but I also like work in media. I, you know, I I have to keep an eye on a lot of different things. But here's sure. the thing: I have no qualms about giving money directly to someone like Scott Keith, who writes Scott's Blog of Doom, right? So it's blogofdoom.com. dot mm-hmm. He's got a Patreon that I give him money for. I, I have a subscription to Defector. I have a, a subscription to The Athletic. I pay for Band Name Bureau. I know where this is going to content creators that I like and admire and go, here's some money because you have given me so much free entertainment over the years mm-hmm. that I'm happy to give a little bit back. Whereas I don't feel great about my subscription to the Denver Post, which I have one, because mm-hmm. I know that money in some way is going to Alden Capital. And mm-hmm. so that really annoys me where like for clients, I have subscriptions to other newspapers that I don't much care for. I have a subscription to the Washington Post mm-hmm. and I know exactly where that money's going. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard because you want to support like community minded journalism and you hope that that's what some of your money is going towards. On the other hand, in some ways, it's more rewarding to pay the people directly that you know are are creating content like just from within themselves for the joy of mm-hmm. creating it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think you got to remember too, that like a lot of these folks working at these papers, they're, they're in guilds, they're in unions. They, they have, mm. they often have good jobs with benefits. Uh, like I, prior to joining exactly right in February, I was basically freelancing for four years. So I was luckily I live in California now where we have a good, Affordable Care Act insurance, or at least <laughs> right. passable uh, ACA insurance. Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks because you can you can look at it as like you're subscribing to the Post, you're, you're supporting Bezos, who is well, yeah, a terrible person, but I don't think he's uh, expecting to make a ton of money off of the Washington Post. Right. I think, uh, most of these places, what you're giving them, yeah, the, the sort of evil overlords are figuring out a way to nickel and dime everything, but you know, without that, these places just aren't going to exist at all. Uh, and, you know, the LA Times is a, another example where, you know, it was horribly mismanaged by uh, the Tribune company for years. It still feels like it's kind of a shell of of its former self, as pretty much every major metropolitan newspaper yeah. feels. But, you know, there's still good stuff in it. And, you know, I I, I think it's it feels like a, a civic duty to yeah. support these places, even if they are... You know, it, it's funny, like Alden Capital, all these places, the, in, in the company that owns the 80 Club, their whole plan is just turn them around and sell them. Um, you know, they, they strip them down to to the bone and then they turn around and sell them. And it's like you're, you lose so much brand 
um, equity loyalty. Yeah, equity for sure, because you're you're just like you're killing all these things that make them so great. Yeah, uh, private equity isn't the only. You know, I, I feel like they're like the current vultures that are destroying papers, but like you know, print media in the past. 30, 40 years had definitely had its head up its ass. So, you know, it, you know, it needed to figure some things out and they still haven't quite figured out the internet. So no, like, it, there's no worse, there's no worse website in the world than your local newspaper's website. Oh it's my God. God awful. God awful. I, I, once upon a time I had a subscription to the Denver post and I grew so frustrated with both their mobile site and their mobile app <laughs> that I canceled it. And when the people who work the, the the subscription desk called me, and they kept calling me, and they called me again and again and again why my subscription was lapsed, I told them, I go, it's because your mobile site is complete dog shit, and I cannot navigate it, and if you call me again, and I have to explain this to you again, I'm going to report you to the Better Business Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, they stopped calling me after that, and so eventually I had to resubscribe just for a variety of reasons. But I think you bring up a good point. I mean, it, it's a real devil's bargain that you have to go through in your head because Denver Post is run by predatory, you know, a, a terrible, terrible company. But there are people there doing good work and people who I work in media relations, who I talk to, who are great people doing their best mm. to, to bring quality content. And when mm. you try and strip that out and you make the paper nothing but wire stories... It's like you're removing the entire reason why this was successful in the first place. You underline a point that I think has been made a number of times, but I think people forget. It's tough, yeah, man. for sure. It's, uh, you know, I mean, it's basically what's happening with the AV Club right now is they, you know, have uh, forced the staff from Chicago to relocate. Doing that clearly with the plan that people weren't going to do it and so that they could all yeah. they could bring in other people for for less yeah. uh, and in a city that does not need another entertainment site you know it's just uh, i don't know it's just part and parcel of this phenomenon of like private equity getting involved yeah. in, uh, in this world and it's a bummer but like I've, I've had to tell myself so many times over the past four years i'm like it's not my baby anymore i, have to, <laughs> I just have to let it go Fair enough. Yeah, no, I get it. As a reader and as a fan, I lament it with you. And it's one of those things where I go and I go, man, I remember what this was and I remember what it could be. And there are still people there actually doing really, really good work in, in the face of tough leadership. But, you know, it, it's hard not to reminisce about what it once was. Let's, let's pivot to something because we're a good chunk into this and we haven't talked about band names yet. Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, so... This thing that you created in 2005, was this just sort of like a whim? Like, it, it, how, what, what is the origin story for the year in band names? Yeah, it was totally a whim because um, at the time, I was Chicago city editor for the AV Club. So I was in charge of our Chicago paper. So one of the things I did was show listings. You know, when you're looking through hundreds of show listings for every week, you come across just... So, you know, ridiculous stuff. So I had like a handwritten note on the bulletin board in the office I shared with Josh Modell and Nathan Rabin. And we were just like, keep track of ridiculous band names. And uh, that year... <laughs> like just, to, just did, to amuse each other? Like... Yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh my God, I gotta write that down. And, um, <laughs> so that year when we were doing our favorite albums of the year, like, you know, we would always list our albums and then like write about other stuff. And I, I mentioned some of the 
band names I had come across. I think I, I, I referred to them as the worst band names uh, because they were all bad. Uh, though I think let's get out of this terrible sandwich shop. This could be fun. Um, <laughs> That's not but, bad. Uh, it's a little, yeah, it's a little it, wordy. Like it's a little, it's wordy, but it's, it's fun. Um, <laughs> and so then the next year on the AV club blog, I wrote about band names. And then from there uh, it became like just a, a yearly feature that I would do. And by that point I was in charge of all of our local editions. So I was editing everybody's calendars oh jesus so i would see i would see the calendars for twin cities denver madison milwaukee new york san francisco austin uh, probably i'm forgetting some i'm sure but i was looking at all of those and so that's why like it's funny in those early days people would be like oh there's so many like twin cities bands in here and it's like yeah because i've seen like all these show listings <laughs> for the twin cities and so yeah then it just became like a an annual thing and uh i would just keep track of bands throughout the year as I was editing these calendars. I would just write down the names as they came through. Okay, so I wondered about the practicality of this. I, and I'm like, there has to be something to this because to get that many different band names, like it, it has to be coming to you. So you, as editing all these city editions, just have this endless conveyor belt of band names. Good, bad, terrible, weird, interesting, mm-hmm. indifferent, derivative, all just coming right your way. And so to to have the wherewithal or the foresight or just even the, the administrative skill to, to be like, okay, you know what? That one is noteworthy. Let's put it in a file somewhere and then we can mm-hmm. compile them later. I'm like, okay, because you can't go out and find all these. D- doing that is is prohibitive. So the fact that they came to you makes perfect sense to me now. And that's amazing. Yeah. And as it grew, I'd also like, there were venues I would check sometimes too. Like I, I even like put out a call one year. I was like, Hey, if you have, I need like the local bar where basically like no name bands play, like not necessarily the big venue in your city. Cause those are all going to yeah. be, you're not going to get as many weirdos there. Like <laughs> it's, it's the, sh- it's the shit ball bars where like, bands that have like no real chance of ever doing anything or playing those are where you get the good names um (laughs) and so i would get lots of recommendations from people and i would check those too now like with band name bureau like i i keep track with like press releases that i still get and josh modell from baby club still sends me tons of stuff that's awesome he's he's a editor of the talk house so he gets he gets a lot more press releases than i do these days and then i check uh my rock nest which is a great resource yeah i mean that keeps me that keeps me enough for for band name bureau but like part of me is like i still want to like go to the like barely functional (laughs) sites or facebook pages of these like random bar venues and like some town outside indianapolis like that that's where i'm gonna find the good stuff right Um, yeah like weirdo like shock rock bands like th- I mean, totally. th- this is this is sort of a middle of the road name, but uh, one of my friends here in Denver is Andrew Novick, and he was in a band here in Denver called the Warlock Pinchers, and <clears throat> you, like they were such a weird band. He said they opened for like the Red Hot Chili Peppers in I think the late '80s, and he said everyone hated us. He's like they hated our guts just with the way we played and the style of our songs. And we go, we have something here, and I go, dude, you're 
style of thinking is so far afield from the way that I conduct my own life, I find you absolutely fascinating. And so I think that's one of the reasons I love Band Name Bureau so much is because, you know, like I I was reading up on probably a band that I really like that I hate telling people I like, Diarrhea Planet. Oh, sure. Which, I mean... achieved some success and you linked to some really like large mainstream interviews they had and a lot mm-hmm. of their stuff is really good like to use a simpsons term perfectly cromulent punk rock yeah and and you're listening to it and you go how the fuck are you guys called diarrhea planet uh, like mm-hmm. why and so the fact that you dig into that is just so satisfying because it scratches this intellectual itch that you have yeah those guys i mean there's a I think it was, was it, no, BuzzFeed, I guess, did this really long interview with them. Uh, and there's a quote from, I think it's the guitarist, saying that he had to tell his parents that he was dropping out of college to <laughs> focus on his band Diarrhea Planet, <laughs> which is just the greatest. Oh, my God. I just love that so much. Uh, because, those, yeah, that's just, I, I just like to picture parents hearing this. Um, Being like, you really think you're going to be successful with Diarrhea Planet. It just makes me so happy. I mean, it, like... Uh, and then you have bands like Fart Bar for like these other, like they're just so like patently, obviously stupid names. Uh, Fart Barf, they, dude. When I read that in that band name, because that was a recent one too that you wrote about them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, when I read about that, I go, oh, that is so satisfying because that is so dumb. Like, uh, it's so dumb. Uh, but I, I just like those are the kinds of bands that I just, I love the bands that just do not care. Like, do not care whether or not they're going to be successful. Just they're going to have some stupid name and do whatever they want. And I love that. That's the thing that I love the most. Because, like, if there are any, like, I feel like those are the bands that I really celebrate. The bands that I, like, you know, that I, you know, make snarky comments about or whatever, the more, like, careerist, like, cheesy bands that are, like, trying to be, like, really, like, deep or, like, that that it feels more like an affectation. Yeah. Yeah. Like phony just, intellectualism. Yeah. Or they're just like, yeah, you know, that they're so like image conscious yeah. that I just like, like I have no problem dunking on those guys all day because it's just, it just feels so phony. But these guys, like I will take fart barf over, you know, what I'm to even think of like jars of clay or some bullshit, like right. you know, the rest of my life, because I think those guys are, they have they actually have uh, an interesting thing to say and right. also you find out that they play in gorilla masks or, or caveman masks and only use like vintage analog synthesizers it's like they just like what are you doing this is so weird like, <laughs> this is so uh, and I love it. specific like so specific well and it's like um I, two bands i want to call out that every time i you reference them i laugh out loud literally one is ghost with a boner <laughs> which like again that is such a specific and ridiculous image mm-hmm. and I, I i guess maybe i have a sucker for penis references but the other one is my dick is made of dog shit oh man yeah which yeah yeah you go whoa like what yeah that that is that is horrifying that's like some john waters nonsense yeah and my dick is made of dog shit uh, is a real weird time. Like whoever is behind that group makes a ton of you. I you would generously call it music. It tends to be just like 
abrasive noise. Right. And they they had a real like when I first wrote about them years ago, they were releasing just a ton of shit uh, on MySpace and probably Bandcamp and stuff. Or, no, I think it was just Bandcamp at that point. It, it's just so weird, and it's clearly just something this one person does yeah. for fun with like no intent of ever doing anything with it. Like, uh, and I, again, I just love that stuff. Even if it's like the quote unquote music is terrible, which it was, um, <laughs> like it's still like, I just, I, there's still like a, a point of view and it's also very funny. Like the song titles are funny and like right. with all funny lyrics or whatever. Like I, I love that. I, I just, that's the kind of stuff that I, I never want to go away. I, I would like a band with a name, like my dick is made of dog shit to make like just nothing but mid nineties R and B slow jams. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, well, what is happening here? Like, this is just too weird. Yeah. The very, yeah. the very first experience I seem to remember having, like b- before you even wrote this, I was in college right around the time Napster was huge. So like I go yeah. to a dorm, I have a T1 line and Napster is huge. So I download everything I can find. As a ska punk kid, I was looking for the hippos and in the search comes up a song called Hungry Hungry Hippos and the band is called Anal Cunt. And I go, What? And I listen to it, and it's and it's basically a band playing just really like noisy, loud, hardcore power chords, and screaming "hungry, hungry hippos" over and over again for like twenty four <laughs> seconds. And I go, I can't believe this is a thing that exists. Yeah, and yeah. and so it's one of those things you don't forget. And when you're like eighteen or nineteen years old, you tell your friends about it, and then they all download it, and it becomes a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's just there's so much joy to be mined from this, and so the oh, absolutely the is is that what keeps you doing it? I mean, in addition to people like me hectoring you on Twitter about it, yeah. But like, no, yeah, it, it's genuinely an interest, like, it, and it's a compulsion that I have. Like, even when I had no plans to do anything with band names after I left the youth, I was still writing them down in my. Evernote that I keep all this stuff in and like not sure what I was ever going to do with it, but just like, Oh, well, here, here's, Oh, that's funny. I'll write that down. So yeah, I really, really love digging into bands music, but then also like what, like what they'll write about or if they're in interviews or whatever, like there, there's so much funny stuff to be found around these, these bands. Like, you know, I wrote about recently the thing called beer can pentagram that was from Wisconsin <laughs> yes. and they had, they had like these empty bush light cans forming a pentagram. And then they had, they had a couple bush or uh, Milwaukee's best light cans. And I was, and I was just like, Oh my God, it's just, it's so perfect that they would have like two Milwaukee's best light cans in there with all this other stuff. And there's a, there's a band I've written about a, a few times. I wrote about them for a year in band names originally, and I came across the, this video that they had posted. Uh, this was for 2014, and they're called Dismembered Carnage. And they had a video, an interview video posted on their YouTube page that was basically heavy metal parking lot, but it was with these two dudes in the band. And I was dying laughing at my desk when I was watching it because it was like, 100% serious, not at all trying to be funny, but hilarious. Because these dudes, 
this one dude who's who's still in the band. I, I wrote about him for Banning Duro too. Just so serious and talking about like just I, I can't even describe it, but he was like just going off on posers and like, oh, you'll be into our stuff if you're re- into real shit. Like, yeah, he, like we're re-recording a lot of old songs that we like and a lot of fans like, like Walking Autopsy, Curb Stomped, Horrid Sounds of Pig Impalement. Like <laughs> Horrid Sounds of Pig Impalement is a song and it just... That, that oh you're, di- that you're I, spending time and energy in re-recording. Like yeah. to, to to bring yeah. it up to uh, you know a higher quality that it deserves, right? Yeah, I was. I think I was like I had tears coming down my face. I was laughing so hard when I was watching this video, and of course I wrote about it in Banning Bureau or not Banning Bureau. You're in Banning at the time, and wrote a whole bunch about it. And, like quoted the video and of course embedded it, and then they took it down because I'm sure they uh, they weren't too pleased. Uh, but it was hilarious, and like those dudes, like I. They probably think I picked on them because I wrote about them again for Band Name Bureau just to check in on their latest stuff. But I I actually, I love what they do. And I truly do like think that what they're doing is great. And they talk about rape way too much. So I'm not such a fan of that. But it is like, I just, I appreciate those bands that are just doing this crazy shit. Totally. And so Kyle, I want to take this in another direction and just tell you, for whatever reason, I latched onto this probably because I do a lot of really dull corporate PR that where I'm writing boilerplate copy a lot and it's just, it's it, it'll suck the soul right out of you. It's so funny when people self-select and do that. Mm-hmm. There was uh, a year in band names. You wrote about a band called Moat Cobra. And yeah, it, it, you're not going to remember this. And no, you, I do not remember. And so you you said bands like to fill their bio or their social media pages with a lot of really superfluous details about lineup changes. And they go on for probably 150 words about a bassist and a drummer and how this drummer left and another guy came in and this, the the old drummer came back and he's friends with this guy. And you just, you copy and paste this whole wall of really dull text. And at the bottom of it, all you wrote was, fascinating with an exclamation point <laughs> and it just you're reading it and you're going like can you imagine being fans of this band like not one of this band's like friends or family members and you're you're wading through this shit going what the fuck are they even talking about and who cares mm-hmm. yeah right so that yeah, kind that's... of thing like when bands sort of start drinking their own bathwater about <laughs> these really like extraneous lineup changes that no one cares about you go, that is funny, too. So, like, you, you manage mm-hmm. to find the comedy in this in, in a variety of different ways. I've heard Key and Peele talk about, uh, you know, Key and Peele's sketch uh, with the, like, the East-West game, like the football players? Mm-hmm. They call that sketch using the whole buffalo. <laughs> like, when it comes to the Band Name Bureau... You will find the comedy in all these different places. So, in a lot of ways, you will f- you use the whole buffalo, and so that's my compliment to you on that. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, that's that's so nice of you to say. Yeah, it, it in that situation too, it feels kind of weird, like you're picking on these like this local band that you know doesn't. But it is just like so funny that they're like really going deep on like the, these are just names that no one knows. It's not like I mean, even if you were talking about people came in and out of like a band like that everybody knows like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's so boring. Like, Oh, John, Dave left. And then mm, Dave, Dave Navarro. Navarro like, yeah. 
Yeah, it's like, who cares? <laughs> like, I just, so, uh, yeah, when it's like some band that like has existed for like a year and barely played any shows, I'm just like, all right, y'all. It's, uh, I, and, and for the most part, I, I feel like bands I've written about do go with it and realize I'm not like, yeah, really trying to be mean to them, you know, but sometimes I am just, I have been like straight up mean because people are just, ridiculous well if like i mean it's one thing to be sort of like unaware or tone deaf and this can be like a really effective mirror for a band too yeah where like all of a sudden it's like you know maybe they have a google alert for their band name or something and they see Mm -hmm. this come up and they go oh shit yeah we probably shouldn't talk about these lineup changes and the the level of depth that we have been and that sets Mm -hmm. them on a better path you know the name moat cobra actually kind of neat like kind of weird like Mm -hmm. it's goofy but you know what band name isn't? You're, you mentioned the Red Hot Chili Peppers. How goofy is that in a vacuum? Uh, right. I mean, yeah. Jimmy Pardo himself said, "Like, isn't every band name dumb?" Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in some ways, yes. So, like, it it's it's almost an effective way of being like, "Oh, okay, we are kind of sniffing our own farts here in a way that we don't need mm-hmm. to be." Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I hope people take it in the spirit with which it's intended. If, if you're a bad band willfully, like, you know, looking to hurt people or be, you know, sort of malignant on society, then yeah, like punch them right in the mouth. But I think, yeah. I think most of them, I understand it as more or less playful criticism. Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, I think the the bands were, uh, that are, where it's more barbed, I think that, you know, they have it coming. It's definitely not like, <laughs> you know, trying to uh, be mean to uh, just nobodies. But my experience for the most part has been fans that are, are take it in the spirit in which it, it's written. Do you ever get any hate mail from it? Yeah. Yeah. For, um, <laughs> that was quick. Okay, good. Yeah. There's one, the one I always think of is I, there was a, an LA speaking of Red Hot Chili Peppers. There was this band that was kind of Red Hot Chili Peppers-esque from LA called the rap he was rap scallions that they had like split the word rap scallion into rap scallion oh so like um, like hip-hop music and onions like essentially like rap scallions yeah got it yeah but it was they were like kind of a if memory serves they were kind of like a chili peppers style band and i don't remember what i wrote about them this was in the year of band names where like there were so many bands i would write about uh, in that that thing every it year. was dense dude like these things were huge yeah it would take it would destroy my life for a solid like two or three weeks oh, <laughs> together uh which was uh yeah it was not it was not a great system and now you all those old stories are still online but all the images are gone from them so oh, like, they sucks. don't make sense but um anyway they had messaged me on this may have been Facebook or could have even been in my space days, but they were just this guy just sent me a pissy email or a message like explain to me what a rap scallion is. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I know what <laughs> no, a rap scallion is. Yeah. Uh, he's like, Do you know, Mark Twain uses this word. And I was like, ah. and then he's like, you probably have us on your iPod. And I was like, I can assure you, I do not. <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't respond or anything. But every now and then, yeah, I get pissy pissy messages and i remember uh this group that's like a one-man group called cuddle formation (laughs) you know like which is just a terrible name yes i just i I just it's just terrible uh the word cuddle is just no just absolutely not um but he had like sent like um like a pissy tweet about it 
uh, just like, okay, AV club, you're going to make fun of me, blah, blah, blah. And it was just this really like defensive thing. And I was like, dude, your group is called cuddle formation. Like, you've got it coming yes. <laughs> just, you, and, and it wasn't even and I, if memory serves i didn't even like it was just like kind of a standard like jokey thing that i wrote it wasn't particularly hard but it was like pointing out like yeah this is, this is a dumb name and like yeah, I, dude, like hearing that name, I go, I don't ever want to see that band. Oh, do you, do you want to go see Cuddle Formation? Fuck and no, I don't. Like that, yeah. that does not sound like a good time to me in the least. It, no, it sounds very twee and irritating. Oh. Like, so, no. Yeah, 100%. It reminds me of when I was doing college radio. Sometimes you'd get these local bands that would call you and request their own shit. And, yeah. and you're going, please don't do that. Like, I, I know, like, it's cool to hear your song on the radio, but it's so obvious when you do it, like, that, that it just becomes really, really tacky, and it makes the DJs not want to play you. So, like, mm-hmm. just knock that shit off. So, mm-hmm. if, if you're going to be butthurt about something that you wrote about the name of the band, just keep it to yourself. Take it on the chin. And just move <laughs> forward. Like you're, you're, you're not going to achieve anything by, uh, by bitching about it in public. Right. Totally. So anyway, all right. Well, we got to wrap up. Now's the time on the show when we do plugs. Kyle, if you want to, I'd love for you to plug Band Name Bureau and literally anything sure. else you'd like to plug, the floor is yours. Uh, Band Name Bureau is at bandnamebureau.com. Uh, also, Band Name Bureau on Twitter and Instagram. That's, that's it, really. That's my main. Thing that I'm doing, or if you want to listen to uh, any exactly right podcast, that'd be great too. Cool. All right, I will link to all of that in the companion blog piece that'll be on JohnOfAllTrades.us. Also in the show notes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Audible, wherever you get your pods, you've got me there. But uh, Kyle Ryan, this is something that I am so thrilled we got to do. We got to goof on some band names. We got to talk about the state of media. And uh, I really appreciate your work, and it's nice to get to tell you that face-to-face. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. That's so rare as a content creator, too, when, I mean, a lot of what you get is just of the other flavor. So Mm -hmm. when I find people I like, I like to highlight their work, and I like to tell them that I appreciate you. So thank you for what you do, and I wish you continued success. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. And that'll do it for episode 326 of the John of All Trades podcast. Sadly, no encore from Moat Cobra or Cuddle Formation or Ghost with a Boner or any of those great bands that we talked about. Kyle gave you the links. Be sure to check those out in the show notes. If you're on one of those podcatchers, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever, and they have a rating function, please take a second. Leave us a rating. Got a couple more seconds? Drop a note or two about what you like about the show. Leave us a review. Hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come directly to you. Stay up with me on social. Facebook is the only place for official episode previews. Those go up on Mondays. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. The handle is J-O-A-T-Pod. That is true for Facebook, as it is for Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Training, content, engagement, and podcasting. I do all manner of PR, and I can also help you get a show together. Our sponsor is 4 Degrees. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Anything you're doing online, Four Degrees can help you do it better. They will get your message in front of an audience at the places where that audience actually is. They'll also help you get the message right. Whether you're doing online marketing, social media advertising, 
building a website, doing email campaigns. They got it all. The number four, D-E-G-R-E.es. I'm out of here for this week. This one was real, real fun. Got a brand new episode coming for you next week. That's going to be a much different flavor, but hey, they don't call me John of all trades for nothing. So wherever you are, I hope you're happy. I hope you're healthy. Hope you're taking care of yourself. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.